Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Thank you, those of you who joined us for this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I hope it has just whet your appetite uh, to continue to press into God and continue that discipline throughout this year. I'm praying that God will speak to your heart in a meaningful way and you can make an absolute direct connection to something that is significant that has happened in your life as a result of you making prayer a priority. I talked a little bit when we started this series about the potential of prayer how prayer has that uh, great ability to do anything. There's nothing, nothing that cannot be touched and affected uh, by prayer. And then we talked about, remember, the power of prayer, how that prayer can lift any burden, prayer can solve any problem, prayer can, uh, it's the pathway to see sins forgiven, any sin forgiven. God has a way of working through prayer. Prayer is a powerful, an incredibly powerful thing. You never have to say, there's nothing I can do. You can always pray. Then last week I talked about some of the practical values. When Jesus uh, was teaching us how to pray, the, the Lord's Prayer, or really the model prayer, uh, when he said, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so forth. And we were talking about how prayer should be a very practical part of our day. You can pray anywhere. You can pray at any time. You can pray under any circumstances. You can pray kneeling and with head bowed and eyes closed. You can pray standing. You can pray while you're engaged in a conversation. You can pray while you're driving. The Bible says pray everywhere. Pray without ceasing. And so we talk to you about the practical side of prayer and how you know, we really need to incorporate that into our daily life. Because when we pray, we are acknowledging God's presence. I mean, the first thing you do really when you pray is you're acknowledging the fact God is with you, his spirit is living within you, and so you are acknowledging the presence of God. And then when you pray, not only that, you're also, um, you're, you're uh, honoring him. You're honoring him, right? Jesus said, hallowed be thy name, honored be your name. Meaning that when I seek God, first and foremost, above everyone else and everything else, then I'm elevating his priority in my life. I'm saying, God, your opinion, your will is more important than anything else. So I honor him when I pray. So prayer is such a powerful thing. It is uh, uh, possible, anyone can do it. But this morning, I wanna take you, take you a little different direction. And I wanna talk to you about a perspective uh, of, of prayer. Gaining a different perspective when we pray. Uh, meaning that uh, God will often do things in prayer exactly as we pray that he would. You ever prayed that way and he absolutely answered it beautifully? <laughs> incredibly. But then sometimes God will respond to our prayer in a way we were not anticipating. He may send something into your life that you were not praying for. And I, I just want you to gain a perspective of understanding that both of those responses from God, both of those things are out of his love for us as his children. Uh, in fact, when you pray, if I, if I could give you a very practical way of thinking about prayer, Prayer is to the Father, first and foremost, to the Father. That's why I said, our Father who art in heaven, you don't have to pray through a saint. You don't have to pray through a church. You have a direct line to your heavenly Father, our Father who art in heaven, so, so you pray to him. So you pray to the Father, then you pray 
through the Son. Remember, we pray in Jesus' name. That just means I'm coming in, in, in the place of Jesus. Jesus sent me. I'm, I'm here because of him. So when you pray to the Father, you pray through the Son. And then the third part of prayer is you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us and energizes us and oftentimes teaches us and reveals to us how we should pray. By the way, sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to us through the Son to the Father when we don't even know how to put into words what we're trying to say. The Bible says that our spirit groans with utterances that cannot be articulated. Meaning there are times that you'll go through in your life when your soul is so crushed and your heart is so broken and your mind is so confused, you cannot really even say what you're thinking or how you're feeling. And it's in those moments the Holy Spirit of God says, Lord, I'm gonna take the confusion of their heart and through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and through, the, through the power of Jesus, I'm gonna bring it before the Heavenly Father and I'm gonna say, here's what they're trying to say. They can't put it into words. It's groanings which cannot be uttered. And so sometimes he takes what we say and sometimes he takes what we can't say and the Holy Spirit of God through his power, through the presence of Jesus, will bring those petitions before our Heavenly Father. And so in this prayer, in this desire to connect with our Father, there's a perspective that we have to get. There's a place we have to come to to understand how God responds. For example, let me give you a couple of verses. One is 1 John 5, 14. The Bible says, God will answer our prayer according to his will. Now that's important. Remember when Jesus prayed that famous prayer in the garden? He said, not my will, but thine be done. So what will help you get perspective on prayer is prayer is not us going into the presence of God asking for our will to be done in heaven. Prayer is going into the presence of God asking God's will to be done here on earth. So we pray according to his will. And by the way, this, this will blow your hat in the creek. Sometimes God answers not by what he gives us. Sometimes he answers by what he withholds from us. You remember in Job, Job 1, nobody probably in the Bible went through more than did Job. God loved him. He was a righteous person. He didn't bring this on himself. Job certainly didn't pray for anything he went through. But here's what Job said. Get this perspective. Job 1, 21 and change. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Sometimes God gives, sometimes he withholds. But if you're gonna keep the bubble in the middle spiritually, you have to bless him for both occasions. Why? Because it's his will. It's his will. It's, it's, it's getting to a point in your spiritual walk where you can trust God. I mean, yeah, we pray, God, this is what I hope happens. This is the thing I'd like to see occur. And I got a lot of things like that. I know you do too. We have things we pray for every day. God, I'd love to see this happen. And by the way, this is how I'd kind of like to see that happen. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying that way. But I'm saying you have to brace yourself because God's will will be done and his will may not be totally aligned with our will. Um, Remember, I've told you he only wants for you what you would want for you if you just knew what he knows. <laughs> so one of the things he says that will help you get perspective when you pray is he will answer, but he'll answer according to your will, his will. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for you. Even though in the interim, in the short term, it may not feel that way, 
I mean, you do the why this and why me and why now kind of a thing with some of those responses to prayer, but God is simply, I, he can be trusted. You can, you can put your faith in him. So when I'm getting a perspective, first I want you to understand he will answer according to his will. The second piece of that I want you to understand is John 14, 13. He said, I will answer if the Father receives glory through the Son. Now that's a little Christianese, so let me explain that statement. What he's saying is, I'll answer if this request results in people seeing Jesus at work in your life and bringing my Father glory, which glory just means a reflection of who he is. So line that up according to his will if he receives glory. And, and man, they, again, it's, it's kind of hard to th reconcile sometimes in your mind because some of the things that he withholds from us are things that are good for us that show his glory, again, as much as the things that he gives to us are a reflection of his will and shows his glory. So when I talk to you about a perspective, I just wanna prepare you for the way in which God may answer some of your prayers and it might not be the exact way you pray that he would. So I, I'm, I'm putting this disclaimer out there. <laughs> I'm just saying, you have to trust God in the process and you have to believe that God's will will be done and God will only do for you and me what's good for us and what brings him greater glory. Perspective. One of the people that, in the Bible that really learned what I'm talking about was the Apostle Paul. Probably one of the most educated men, one of the most gifted men, uh, very articulate. I mean, he could stand before kings and he could stand before the poorest people in the world and not be intimidated by either one and be authentic in front of everyone. I mean, he's unusually gifted. Over half the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. And yet, Paul hit this epiphany that I'm talking to you about this morning where he gained a perspective of God through prayer that he had never gained before. And he gained it through an experience that he had in life that he had never been through before. And I'm just suggesting to you that perspective sometimes comes through some of the challenges that you and I face in life. As I said, you see yourself and you see God in a different way. This was the case with Paul. In fact, if you look in your Bible at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and it, it, we're just gonna read a piece of it, but if you read all that chapter, what you'll see in context is Paul was given a vision of heaven. I mean, it's incredible. He's caught up, by his own words, into the third heaven, the third heaven. Um, we understand there's a troposphere where the birds fly, right, in the clouds. And then you go up into the planetary heaven, where the planets are. And then you have a third heaven the Bible speaks of where God resides, somewhere north. When the Bible speaks of heaven, it says north. Now, I guess that's, if you're in Australia, it's still north. So the orientation of heaven is somewhere north. So somewhere up there is a place called heaven. When Jesus talked about it in John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And the word place in the Greek is uh, topos, we get the word topography from that, meaning land. So heaven is a real place. People in heaven are real people. And Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven. I went beyond the troposphere, beyond the planets, into the presence of God. And he said, I saw things and I heard things that were too incredible for me to even, you see, I can't even describe what I saw when I went into the presence of God. And I went in 
to heaven. And then you pick up with the text here, look at verse seven. He says, and lest I should be exalted by measure, by the abundance of the revelations. In other words, to keep me humble. Um, so that I, I, I wouldn't let that experience go to my head. I, I wouldn't buy a tent and go on the road and sell my book about how I went into the third heaven. Um, that's not there, but you get my point. He said, what, what I did so I didn't exaggerate the experience or, or, or exploit the experience. Notice what God did. He said he gave me a thorn in the flesh. He describes it as a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. A messenger of Satan. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Now, whether it was a physical, um, some sort of a physical challenge, I don't know. He doesn't say. Uh, some scholars say it might have been a person. It might have just been a person in his life that just runs him crazy, <laughs> that he can't get away from. I don't know if it was a person or a thing, but he doesn't say, and I think maybe he left it open so that you and I could apply it in our own life. But the thing I don't want you to miss is God allows this to come into his life. This thing he describes as a messenger of Satan, this thing he describes as a messenger to buffet him. It's the idea is he's getting hit every day. He's just getting pounded all the time by this. He said, God, listen, God permitted it to happen. He allowed it to happen. Lest I should be exalted above measure, I would become arrogant. And then notice what he said, verse eight, concerning this thing, very specific, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now, Paul had performed miracles, um, amazing things. And there's no record that I can find in my studies where Paul ever prayed more than one time to see a miracle happen. I mean, an incredible man, had great experiences, but this is the first experience of life that he's encountered that he's prayed three times and nothing changed. Now, boy, that's, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't need help in church or from a pastor or from a podcast or, I, I don't need help when things are going my way kinda and things are good and my prayers are being answered the way I prayed they would be answered. But let me tell you something. When you can't connect the dots and it doesn't seem right and it doesn't seem fair and you're back to that why this, why me, why now kind of thinking and I, I need a little help during that time. And I've navigated through a lot of that, still do. So far, so good. And I'm just saying, you know, uh, that's when you're gonna have to have some help. Paul said, look, man, I, in the Bible, just, he just says three times, but I, I guarantee you prayed more than that. It's, and I don't want you to miss this because I don't want you to miss the application or, or, or we're just wasting each other's time. I need you to apply this. Have you ever faced something in your life that wasn't fair, wasn't right, and no matter how hard you prayed about it, it just didn't seem to get better or go away? Amen. I, I just felt every heart in the room say amen to me right there. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, right? And I'm just suggesting to you that this was the great apostle Paul, the writer of half the New Testament, the man who just had a vision. He just went into the presence of God. Holy cow. I wouldn't put my spiritual life up against this guy. Are you kidding me? 
And yet this man has now had something hit his life that has been so devastating and debilitating that it has driven him to his knees, to his face in front of God at least three significant times. And notice the answer that he got from God. And he said to me, no. No, that's not there. But that's the summary. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. No. Paul, could God remove it? Yep. Could God change it? Yep. Remember? Potential, power, practice. Remember, we we talked about all this. Remember, I'm trying to help you with perspective. I'm just trying to prepare you for when you get down the road a little bit and you hit that crossroads. I've been there. Many of you have been there. When you get there and, and, and you're either going to go away from God or you're going to press into him, you're going to have a choice to make. And I'm just suggesting you when you get to that crossroad, and you will sooner or later, when you get to that crossroad, it's important that you have the right perspective. Remember, what he gives is the same as what he releases. So in this story, as Paul recounts it, God just seemed to tell him, son, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to change this, but my my grace is going to be sufficient for you. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that your strength will be made perfect in your weakness. You're going to see something about me. You're going to see something about you. You're going to get a perspective on the whole situation that you never had before. And it's going to come about as you walk through this experience. So notice what Paul decided to do, therefore. Remember when you see the word therefore in the Bible, look and see what it's there for? <laughs> it connects what he's about to say with what he just said. Therefore, here's the connection. I will gladly, rather, therefore must gladly, I rather boast in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Now that's on Paul. He made that decision. God didn't make that decision for him. He made, he, he made the decision concerning how this would affect his life. And if, when, when, when you get this perspective of God, that God can work through the chaos as well as he can in the calm, when you get the perspective of God that God can bring peace in the middle of a storm, it helps you make good decisions that affect your peace of mind and it affects your life. Remember in John 14 when Jesus was preparing the apostles for his death, remember we've ta- we taught this, when he said, let not your hearts be troubled, He didn't say, let not your life be troubled. He didn't say, let not uh, your world be troubled. Because you, listen, you can have a troubled life and an untroubled heart. That's what perspective will do. You could fought all the way here and get in the car and pick up where you left off. I hope you don't. You could. I mean, you could have had more month than money and you are still dealing with that when you came in the room and walk out fighting the same battles and dealing with the same thing. What's my point? God could change everything, but if he doesn't change everything, you can't allow what's going on out here to affect what's happening in here. Let not your heart be troubled. Now that's our choice. And Paul made a decision. I'm I'm gonna realize I'm gonna be happy in the midst of the situation, recognizing the fact that God has a plan. He's working his purpose. He can be trusted. Let me give you three thoughts and we'll go home. 
The first thing when I read this that struck me is here is the great apostle who has just been, first of all, overwhelmed by the power of God. I mean, wow. Caught up into the third heaven? That's pretty amazing. I've known people who've had these experiences where they've actually had visions and experiences where they've been able to, to, to share stories of seeing things that other people don't get to see. I remember my dad early in his ministry, and of course, my dad's been in heaven for a while, had a 50-year ministry and started out in ministry in about the early 50s, about 1952, 51. And back in that day, when he would go to a hospital call and visit a terminally ill patient, they didn't have a lot of the medications that we have today to try to help them cope with the pain and the difficulty of, of kind of those last phases of life. And he would tell stories and other pastors would tell stories where people who were not, were not heavily medicated would have these visions and hear these things in the closing moments of their life. Now, I'll quickly say, thank God for modern medicine. I'll quickly say, thank God for morphine. <laughs> if this brother is ever in the last moments of his life and he's hurting, you don't need to hear my story. Put me under. I don't wanna, you know what I'm saying? Thank God for some pain medicine. But back before that was the case, he, he told two stories that struck me. One, he told about a lady who in the closing moments of her life, she says, can you hear the music? She said, I've never heard anything as beautiful as what I'm hearing. He said, I caught myself leaning in to try to hear what she was hearing. And he said, then it hit me. She's listening to something from another place that I don't even understand. And it was just a matter of moments until she stepped from his presence into her Savior's presence. He said that he remembers specifically one of the members of the church that I grew up in talking about seeing someone that were coming to welcome them home. And in the last few moments after seeing this person welcome them home, they closed their eyes and they stepped into the presence of God. So this thing is real, I, I, I don't doubt that. I, I think, in fact, the Bible, when David was describing death in 2 Samuel 23, he said, there's just a step between me and a step between. We, we, I mean, the, <laughs> the temporal to the eternal is a step. We're a heartbeat away. I mean, it's so close. And I'm just suggesting to your heart that Paul, got caught, he saw that. And when you read, his, you read his life story and you read the miracles that God performed through his life, I mean, lame legs were, were, were made to walk again and blinded eyes were made to see again. And, and there's one story where he's preaching in this long sermon uh, and a guy fell asleep and falls out of the building where he's sleeping and dies. That's a long sermon. Um, can I digress to tell you, I've heard some that I just, I could have easily done that. Um, my dad was a pastor, right? And I grew up, I've heard a lot of messages. I can tell you, I've never heard a sermon that I couldn't get something out of it, but I will also say I've had a lot of close calls. <laughs> my dad, honest to God, had two guys that I still remember. They're in heaven, I'm pretty sure. And he would bring these guys in and they would preach an hour hour, one out 60 minutes, tick, talk. I mean, it's just like they'd take 15 minutes in their introduction. I'm going, for God's sake, we're glad you're here too, but we, you're wearing us for heaven's sake. We got it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm not, not bitter about that, by the way. You can tell I'm, I'm dealing with that, right? Y'all can tell I'm good with that. 
Here's my goal. Can I tell you, my, my goal is to always finish before you do. <laughs> I really try. Well, I start losing you, baby. We're going to cut to the chase and we're going home. And that's what I, and I just, I don't know. I've just heard a lot of, a lot of long, and this one was a long sermon. Falls asleep, falls out of the building, goes to his death. Paul, listen, Paul literally covers this man, prays over him, and he comes back to life. So I can laugh because it ended good. So the, the happy ending, right? It's a great story. What's my point? My point is oftentimes Paul was overwhelmed by the power of God. He saw God work. He knew he could work. He knew how God had forgiven him on the road to Damascus and God had changed his life. And, and now he's traveling, representing Jesus. So here is a man overwhelmed by the power of God. But here's the second thing I didn't want. Uh, this is perspective. He's also a man who was overruled, overruled by the purpose of God. He's a man who had seen God say yes, and he's a man who knew that God could say no. He is a man who had seen God do things, and he is a man who had seen God refrain from doing those things. And again, folks, that's the crossroad. That's where your faith gets tested is when those experiences of life hit you, and you in your mind and heart know God can fix this, but for some reason, he's delaying. He may not be denying. He may be delaying. And then if you really want your faith tested, sometimes he wasn't just delaying, he was denying. He was saying, I know what you're praying for and I know what you're believing for, but I know it's not according to my will and ultimately it's not what's best for you. And whoa, when you're there, that's when you have to trust him. One of the verses that have helped get me through a lot of the things that I go through and I'm going through with Cindy's home going is that verse in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He didn't say you don't have understanding. He said be careful leaning too heavily on your own understanding because you don't have all the facts. He's sovereign, I'm not. I see life a frame at a time, a day at a time, a moment at a time. That's why he said, pray, give us this day daily bread. He didn't say that you're going to get a week's worth. or a, He said, I'm going to give you enough to get you through today. And sometimes that's all the strength that you have to get you through the day. The Bible says sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, meaning you're going to have enough to deal with today without borrowing on the problems and challenges of tomorrow. So trust in the Lord. Thy word is a lamp to my feet a light to my path, meaning I'm, it's not gonna shine way down, it's gonna give you enough light to illuminate your next step. Daily bread, baby steps. <laughs> you're just walking and surviving, you're just getting through your day, and sometimes that's all you need to do. Sometimes, listen, all you need to do is get through today. That, that's it. And when you get to the day, look back on your day and say, thank you, Lord, I got through the day. I didn't know how it was going to end. I, I, it didn't end, start well, and I struggled throughout the day. Sometimes it's those little steps. You know what happens to us sometimes? It's when we think too far ahead and we think too far down the way, we are, we're relying on energy God hadn't given us yet. We're, we're, we're trying to pull grace that we don't have yet. Uh, let me give it to you this way. You ever had somebody in your world that they've gone through a hardship and a difficulty in life, and you find yourself talking to friends about this person, and you just say, boy, I don't know how they're making it. I don't know how they put one foot in front of the other. If I was facing what they're facing, I don't know how I would handle that. 
And you're being honest. I know I've said that and I felt that. But you know why that we feel that way? It's because we don't have the strength that they have to get through what they're going through. And we don't have the grace they have to get through they're going through what they're going through. You know why? Because we don't need it. They do. I pray to God we don't need it. I tell people a lot with the things that I've gone through, I hope you can't ever relate to this experience. I hope you can't. I, I have people sometimes that can be dismissive. You know, they mean well, but they're dismissive. And, oh, yeah, lost your wife for 42 years. Well, you know, we had a dog that was in the family for eight years, and we lost a... Yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, they're trying to relate, but they just can't. And sometimes silence is just freaking golden, you know? But I'm just saying that what happens in, in these moments when you go through some stuff, you, I don't want people to relate to what I've gone through. I hope you never feel that way. The loss of a spouse and the loss of a grandchild. I, I just, I don't want people to go through that. And those of you that have walked down that road, you've gone through the, the divorce, you've gone through the death of somebody, you don't want anybody to feel that pain. But I'm saying when you do feel, if you feel that, and when you feel, God, two things he gives you, he gives you grace and strength. Perspective. God will do one of two things with everything you pray about. He will either, number one, remove the thing from you, or he will give you the strength to carry it. Endurance means to be able to hold up under something. And the Bible says tribulation brings about endurance. Patience, holding up under something. Can I give you some advice? Don't pray for patience. <laughs> Take my word for that. You know why? The tribulation brings about patience. You might as well pray for trouble, just cut to the chase. <laughs> That's the only way you're gonna get endurance. And I'm just suggesting that there's some experiences in life you don't wanna know what they feel like. And Paul was walking through one of those and here's what he found. He found that I have been overruled by the purpose of God. But here's the third thing. I want to share this with you and we'll go. He was also overwhelmed or overjoyed rather, overjoyed by the providence of God. Man, he saw God in a way he'd never seen him before. He saw God had a plan and a purpose. And, and I, I, I told you, there's some of the things that God is working out in your life and in mine that we may not really know why until we're in heaven. Part of the perspective I gained on God's purpose and plan and how he answers prayer was through Cindy's illness. Not to drop off into all that again because it's just really emotional for me. I'm going to be a day or two digging out of that hole to talk about all that. But the point I, I learned from that experience is I knew God could heal her. I never doubted that. She had the best medical care in the world. She had one of the finest doctors, research doctors in the world that when she was admitted, the, floor, the nurse on the floor, when he came to see her, she pulled me aside and she said, I have not seen Dr. O'Sullivan on the floor in five years. He doesn't do this. He teaches, but he doesn't come to the floor. But he came to the floor to see your wife. She had made that kind of impression on him. And in that moment, I realized just how how sick she was. I tried to look at the phases and stages of the illness, you know, and try to watch. I, I was clueless. 
he had several of those doctors, you know how it is in that teaching hospital, five or six of those medical doctors with him. And he said, Miss Ramsey is in the final stages. Of her illness. I didn't know that. I didn't know we were there. Prayed for every day. Hundreds of you have been praying for Cindy since her diagnosis in 2014. Hundreds, I'm not, I've told you a million times, I don't exaggerate. But hundreds of people were praying for her. Even in the hospital. I never left. Stayed with her for, for 21 days in that hospital. Her illness progressed. They had to put her in a kind of a medically induced coma. She was on a vent. She had an attack on mothers. Day morning. Developed a condition called ARDS. And at that point, we were just on a glide slope where on one hand, I knew God could. I prayed he would. But I didn't know if it would happen for us. I just prayed Mother's Day morning. She wouldn't, she wouldn't die on Mother's Day. I didn't want that for my kids, and some of you know what that is. God sustained her. We got through Mother's Day, but it just didn't get better. And over here, I'm praying every day. I'm a pastor, for God's sake. I'm praying for other people in that hospital, and I'm seeing other people roll their loved ones right out. I'm sitting in the lobby sometimes, and one of them says, Hey, Bill! Man, thanks for the prayer, taking my wife home. That's ah, awesome. And I'm thinking, well, surely I'll have that experience, right? God loves Cindy Jean. I mean, what a, great, <laughs> what a great testimony. That would be of his healing power. Why would he not do that? I mean, especially her. She's the best Christian I've ever known. Couldn't have gotten this church started without her. Wouldn't be involved in helping the numbers of people we're helping without her heart toward that sort of ministry. I got old cold heart. <laughs> she had that soft heart. And so I'm just, you know, I'm bartering a little with God, if you know what I'm saying. I'm talking to him a little bit <laughs> about this. I'd a whole lot rather been there and it not be her. A hundred times I would have traded places with her. Holy cow, man. May 31st, 2019, early in the morning, Kids were there. We had the original band together, the four of us. <laughs> and around the bedside, her breathing continued to fade. They were wanting to move her off the vent onto a trach. And all of a sudden, her lungs just, they, couldn't, they just couldn't put enough pressure in there to keep them open. And they tried to save her. She was gone. So I'm just saying, on May 31st, I got a pretty hard no. <laughs> so when I run into somebody who's going through a similar thing, I'm not critical of them. I'm not judgmental of them. I don't preach to them. I just want to hug them. I'll cry with them. I've cried more over this than I've anything in my life. Good Lord. I don't know what this salty discharge is when I started wasn't given to a lot of emotion, but boy, they, they, things can change that. 
My heart was broken. My soul was crushed. And we went into that season. And what I came to realize was the faithfulness of God. A lot of people didn't think I'd be able to do this again. I have a couple people in here that said, well, Cindy goes, were you able to do this again? You know what I told them? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how, what I'm going to feel when that time comes. I don't know what I'm going to feel when that time comes. Am I going to be worth anything? Am I going to be bitter? I don't want to be some bitter old joker up there. You got to hear that. Would you get out of bed to go hear some bitter old guy? I wouldn't. So I'm thinking, if that's me, I wouldn't go hear me. I'm not too good to do anything. I can find something else to do. I don't have to do this. So I didn't know how, well, what it would be like. When I went through that experience, it's just like God just wouldn't let me go. It felt like he was saying, I'm going to use what you've, going, what you've gone through to help some people that have gone through it and are going through it. That's why, guys, what helps me connect the dots is when I hear some of you say, hey, some of the stuff you've taught really helped me. Some of that stuff you've walked through kind of helps me. Believe it or not, that helps me. <laughs> so here's what I know. I know I'll never understand that. I'm grateful. I'm not bitter. I really am not bitter. I'm hurt, but I'm not bitter. I'm grateful. I'm thankful for everything Cindy and I got to do together. We had a lot of great memories. I don't, I, really, I don't have any regrets other than I hope I enjoyed it when I was going through it as much as I, <laughs> you know, I think I did. That's why when you take time with your family and you guys get away and go do things, I love that. I, I love that you take time and make memories with your family. I mean, if you can get away, get away. Take, take some time. I'll be back on Sunday, but anyway. No, no. <laughs> I mean, just make those memories with your family. I'm telling you, one day you'll go from making memories to living on some. So make those memories. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. I just wear them out. I love them. I have great friends. I have an amazing church family. But here's what I know. And I'm okay with this. I know some things will never make sense to we're in heaven. I know that. And I'm okay with that. So if I can encourage you any through the message, keep praying. Pray for the miracle. He can do it. Keep praying, pushing, and believing. But understand, if it doesn't happen the way you pray it would, and if he doesn't do what you knew he could, he could still be trusted. He can still be trusted. Remember what Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I love that determination. That's kind of, I've always been a strong-willed child. That's kind of landed on that one. I said, yep, I'm still there. I, if I go, I'm going down swinging, you know? I may go under, I'm going to go under singing victory in Jesus. <laughs> That's just how I feel. That's enough of that. Good night. I'm, I've now gone beyond what you were willing to sit in here. So let's pray. Father, thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for letting me just share a little bit of my heart here. And I pray for my friends who've gone through, going through, or may go through something that may challenge their faith. I pray you'll give them a great perspective. Father, I thank you that you've never failed me. You've never failed my kids. You've never failed my grandkids. You are faithful. You're just. You're good. You're great. You're worthy. If you never did another thing for me but take me to heaven when I die, that's a pretty good deal. So I trust you. 
I pray for anyone who may never have received you as Savior, that in the closing moments of this service, right where they are, they'd say, Lord Jesus, with all that I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.